So, uh, listen, so we are in the midst of a series that we have entitled um, Signs. And in this series, we are looking at a number of different miraculous signs that the Apostle John records for us in his biography of Jesus' life. And if you're just jumping on with us today, we've been saying these signs are and are not certain things. So we've been saying, you know, these signs, that, they, um, that these signs are actual history that John has recorded for us. That he's recorded historical events. That they're, they're not things that John made up to color the story or, or to make it more interesting. We've been saying that these signs are real acts of God intervening in the, the usual course of natural law. So this isn't, the, the signs that John has recorded, it's not like John was stupid, he didn't understand science. It's not like Jesus was performing sleight of hand and magic tricks. And we've, we've been saying that these signs are meant to authenticate a messenger and a message from God. John, John just didn't, didn't haphazardly put things down. He had a purpose in mind for what he did. In fact, John states his purpose very clearly. At the end of his book, he says, look, Jesus performed a whole pile of signs. I've recorded a select few, and here's why. He says, but these were written that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in the power of his name. And so what we're doing each week is we're just taking one of the signs. We're going, okay, what does this teach me about who Jesus is as the Messiah? What does this teach me about who Jesus is as the Son of God? Or what does this sign teach me about where, what it means to find life in him? So we're going to get after today's sign, but before we do, let's take a minute and pray and invite God to be part of this. Father, just uh, as we look at today's sign, as we look at signs in weeks to come, God, I pray you'd open up our minds, you'd open up our hearts. Help us just to catch a fresh vision of who Jesus is, especially if in the midst of our lives right now, there's a way that we need to see him more clearly. Father, I want to pray for some of the kids in our church today. Father, for uh, Elsa Kalski as she fell and uh, broke her leg Friday. God, I just pray for the appointment she's going to have this week, that there wouldn't be any, any surgery needed, that they can cast this up, and that's all the misery she has to deal with this summer. Father, uh, we just pray for Michaela Grifka, and um, she has had a fall, and just thank you they were able to glue that up. We pray that that would heal, that there wouldn't be any kind of scars. Father, I want to pray for Olivia, um, just for Maria Fickles, uh, for her, her granddaughter and the surgery that she had this week, for your hand of healing on her and on her body. Father, help us please today just to meet you in your truth, in your worship, and in, uh, interactions with your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever had a time where life just, just made you desperate? Just what was going on in your world, in your relationships, just drove you to a place of desperation? Like maybe it's work. In, in this season with COVID, everybody's working at home, and, and it's harder like to, 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 to have a division between the two. And I've been talking to people that are just working more and more and more and more hours and they're afraid to say no because like they're watching everybody else's job go away and it's like, I just got to keep doing this. And they're, they're just like, I can't keep up anymore. 
or maybe it's your kid. They've just gone off the rails, and it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do, you can't get them back on track again. I've talked to some of our students who are like, okay, this whole online learning thing, this does not work for me. I don't know, I, like I can't wrap my brain around what they're telling me to do, and I, like I'm failing these classes. Maybe your marriage is swirling the drain. Like guys, you like, I, she seems so pretty and she seems so sweet when we got married and now she uses a broom as an alternate form of transportation. Amen? Nobody took the bait either. In first service, nobody took the bait on that. I thought for sure I'd get you to take the bait. No, all right? Or, you know, or, or, you know, like ladies, you're like, hey, thank you, all right. You know, ladies, you're like, he seems so competent and so kind when we got married, and he lives under a bridge. I don't know what his problem is. He's some kind of troll, you know? Um, I mean, be it, be it a relationship, be it your health, be it your finances, be it something you're trying to overcome in your world. If you just ever had that place where life has made you desperate, See, if, if you can relate to that, you can relate to the individual who John is going to kind of introduce us to in this second miracle that he records for us. John picks up again with the, the, this next miracle in chapter 4, verse 46, and he writes this. He says, so he, he being Jesus, he came again to Canaan, Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged him to come down and heal his son, for he's at the point of death. Now, Jesus' first miracle, you know, is in Cana, chapter 2. John picks up again with this next miracle, deep into chapter 4, and a lot's happened. Jesus has been busy. Jesus has been to Jerusalem, he's turning over tables, he's fighting with the religious leaders, he's got Nicodemus sneaking to see him in the middle of the night, he's developed the Samaritan following, and in Capernaum, he has, he has performed a pile of miracles. Again, John doesn't record every one. This is the second one that he records, it's not the second one that Jesus performs altogether. And so, while Jesus is in Capernaum, he's you know, cast out a bunch of demons, he's healed a whole pile of sick people. But now he's back in Cana. And, and you've got this individual, this, this royal official who is living in Capernaum. And, and he, he, he's, he's getting desperate. He needs somebody because his son's sick. Now, John tells us that, that the man's a royal official. He, does, he never tells us his name. And just for the sake of our conversation, we'll call him Harry. It's a good royal name. And if you're from the UK, you're like, oh, I see what you did there, right? Um, now, there's certain things we, should, we, we, we can reasonably conclude about this man because he is a royal official. Like, th this is a man who is influential. I mean, he works for Herod. He works for the king. He's probably related to him. So Herod's used to, when he says things, people do it. He's used to, I, I, you're going to jump how high? He's got all kinds of control. Not only so, but, but Harry, he's got money. He can buy what he wants. He can purchase what he needs. This is a man who is used to getting things done and he's used to having access to the best life has to offer. Harry is used to being in control. But here's the thing about life. 
from time to time, life has a nasty habit of reminding us that control is it's just an illusion. And one of the ways that life loves to drive this point, life, life just loves to drive this point home by driving people to a place where they are desperate. And that's where Harry finds himself. It doesn't matter what favors he calls in, what orders he gives, how much money he spends on doctors, what he purchases. His kid is sick and his kid is only getting worse. But I mean, he's stationed to Capernaum. He was there when Jesus performed all these miracles. And so he goes to Cana and he gets on his knees and he is begging Jesus, will you do something for my boy? Now, this is not a place Harry is used to be in. But this is where he finds himself. When life drives him to desperation. He's desperate. And, and as Harry comes to Jesus desperate, he really models for us how desperate people oftentimes will think and behave. So Harry, Harry's, he, he's here now because he's done everything he knows how to do. He's tried everything he knows how to try. None of it's worked. And so as a last resort, he'll come to Jesus. And if Harry's honest, he's only there because he thinks Jesus might have something that he wants. He's not going to see Jesus for Jesus. He's going to see Jesus to get what he wants from Jesus. And Harry comes, Harry, Harry comes with a really clear agenda in mind. Like he knows what he wants Jesus to do and when he wants him to do it and how he wants him to do it and where he wants him to do it. He's like, Jesus, here's the plan. How about you co-sign on to this thing? He's figured out I can't control this disease, but I'm still going to try and control Jesus in the midst of all of this. See, this is how Harry comes, but this is how desperate people tend to think and how they oftentimes tend to behave. And he comes to Jesus in desperation. And even though he's desperate, Jesus welcomes him. Again, John tells us, like, I'm sharing this miracle with you because there's all these things about who Jesus is I want you to see. And, and every week, I'll be honest, this series has been frustrating me because every week I'll, I'll do the research and I'm like, here's this whole pile of stuff and I got to limit it to just a few. I feel like I'm leaving stuff on the table every weekend. But the, the, the first thing I want to call our attention to about who John is trying to get us to understand that Jesus is, is, is simply this. Jesus is the Savior who welcomes the desperate. Harry comes to Jesus with his, his desperation mentality and, and behaviors, and Jesus so easily could have told Harry, what are you coming to me for? I should have been your first option, not, not your last result, resort. Why come now? Or Jesus easily could have told Harry, listen, you're just coming because you want something from me. You don't want me. You just want what I'll give you. How about you go manipulate and use somebody else? Jesus easily could have said to Harry, listen, you, you got this figured out so well, go, go, go take care of it yourself. What do you need me for? But he doesn't. He doesn't reject Harry. He doesn't turn him away. He doesn't run him off. Because Jesus is a savior who welcomes the desperate. 
if life has just been beating you down, if you've gotten to a place where you realize you, control's an illusion and you're getting desperate, even if you've tried a whole pile of things and you're going, okay, well, I get, maybe I'll give Jesus a try now. Even if he is your last resort, he'll welcome you. He, even if you're coming to Jesus simply for what he'll do for you, regardless, you're not even worried about who he could be to you. He will welcome you. Even if you come to Jesus just looking for him to co-sign your agenda, he will welcome you. He's not going to run you off. He's not going to push you away. He's not going to reject you because he is the Savior who welcomes the desperate. But here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus won't leave you that way. I'll just, I'll just warn you up front. If you come, Jesus will, he will welcome you just as you are. There's nothing you're going to do to make him love you more. There's nothing you're going to do to make him love you less. But he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And he will, he will try and move you towards change. Because he knows. Your desperation mindset, it's no good for you. It's no good for your relationship with him. And that's exactly what we see him do next with Harry. Harry comes all desperate. And, <laughs> and Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus is getting confrontational here. He's like, Harry, unless you get a miracle the way you want a miracle, you won't believe. Jesus is shining a spotlight on the fact that, that, that Jesus is Harry's last resort, that Harry just wants something from him, that, 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 that Harry is coming just to, you know, with his agenda in mind, getting Jesus, you know, come on, just do what I want. And, and here's the thing. While we have no way of knowing for sure what tone Jesus spoke these words in, I suspect that he spoke them in grief and in hope. See, when I come to Jesus in my desperation and I'm coming to him as my last resort, and I'm coming just because I want something from him, and I'm coming looking for him to co-sign on to what, I'm, what my plan is, I really believe that grieves him. Because I, I know if somebody came to me that way, once I got below the, beneath the surface emotion of anger and really dug down to what's behind that, it'd be grief. I think Jesus utters these words in grief, but I think he utters them in hope as well. That he has hope that, that, that he, can, he can bring Harry from where he's at to where he needs to be. And we see Jesus try this. You know, Jesus confronts Harry, and Harry comes back with, Sir, a little more respect, come down before my child dies. Harry doubles down on his agenda here. I mean, I don't blame him. His kid is dying. But, but where, where Jesus goes next... It's, it's designed to try and help Harry see something completely different about who Jesus is. Jesus says to him, go. 
Your son will live. Now, this isn't what Harry signed up for. Harry, Harry left Capernaum, traveled 20 miles to Cana to get Jesus, to gather him up and bring him. You're, you're going to come to the house. You're going to go into his room. You're going to lay your hands on him like you see, I saw you do with all those other people. And you're going to make my kid well. That's the plan, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you go. I'll stay. You go. Your kid will be fine. I think Jesus is trying to change how Harry sees him. See, see, for sure, Jesus is the Savior who welcomes the desperate. But I think Jesus is trying to get Harry to see that he is also the sovereign God who calls us to follow. He is, he is the Savior who will welcome desperate people just as they are, but he is also the sovereign God who will call us to lay down our will and our lives and follow him wherever he will lead. See, when I come in desperation, I come to Jesus, I'm just desperate. I'm like, Jesus, here's what you need to do and here's when you need to do and here's how you need to do it. Come on, let's go. You know who's playing God in that scenario? That would be me. Which is crazy ironic when you think about it. Because here's the deal, if I was qualified to play God, I'd have fixed the problem myself. That the fact that I am there asking Jesus to help me with this thing is proof that I'm not qualified to play God. Jesus alone is all-knowing. Jesus alone is all-powerful. Jesus alone is all-wise. Jesus alone is sovereign. He alone is God. And he is calling me to surrender to him my will and my life and follow wherever he might lead. So, so when Jesus says to Harry, go, your son will live. He, he's confronting Harry with a defining moment. Will, will Harry trust that Jesus is wiser than he is? Will Harry trust that Jesus' plan is better than his? Will, will, will Harry Will Harry hand control of his life to Jesus? See, we got to ask ourselves, when we're desperate and we come to Jesus going, hey, this is what I want you to do and where and how and when. And when Jesus says no, how do we respond to that? Like, I've got it all figured out for him. I just need him to co-sign and get it done. And he won't do it my way. How do I respond? Like, do I, do I get angry? And with each successive request, I just get more and more aggressive? Or do I get bitter? I'm like, if Jesus really cared, he'd like do what I asked him to do. And he isn't doing what I asked him to do, so he must not care. And so I'm not talking to him anymore. Or I'd say, you know, he, he must not exist. If God existed, he'd answered my prayer. He hasn't answered my prayer. I'm just going to 
I'm going to walk away from faith altogether. See, when everything in life is lining up, when all the ducks are in a row, faith is easy. But that's not faith. Faith is taking Jesus at his word, even when he doesn't do what I want him to. Faith is surrendering my will and my life to him and leading wherever he's going to follow, even if he's not doing what I've asked him to do. That's what faith looks like. When, When we say, hey, Jesus, this is the way it should go, and he says no, how do we respond? Now, I love how Harry responds. I absolutely love it. Jesus says, go, your son will live. And John tells us, Harry believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Now, this is interesting. This, is, this, is, this, this word we have translated here is, is belief. This, is, this word gets used three times in our passage. And it gets used a host of times in the New Testament. And more often than not, in the New Testament, it's translated as faith. So, so the, the first time it gets used, right at the beginning. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you get your miracle your way, you won't have faith in me. And at the end of the passage, it's used you know, where Harry believes and, and his whole family with him. So Harry's story of faith like, creates a story of faith for his family. But here in the middle, Harry believes the word that Jesus spoke to him. He has faith. The kind of faith that Jesus mourned absent in his life at the beginning. Harry finds it here in the middle. And then Harry shows us what faith looks like lived out in somebody's life. Jesus confronts Harry with this defining moment. And Harry believes him and goes on his way. Harry gets to a place where he realizes, I can't control the illness. I can't control Jesus either. So instead of trying to control him, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to take this thing that I'm struggling with. I'm going to put it in his hands. And I'm going to say, not my will. Your will be done. It's like the old hymn says. My Jesus, as thou wilt, O may thy will be done. Into thy hand of love I would my all resign. Excuse me. Jesus, as thou wilt, O may thy will be mine. Into thy hand of love I would my all resign. Through sorrow and through joy conduct me as thy own and help me still to say, My Lord, thy will be done. See, that's what faith looks like. That's what faith looks like. Something beautiful can be born in a person when that's what faith becomes. All of a sudden, we we can get to this place where we're Desperate, but the desperation is nuanced differently. We we become desperate not for what Jesus can do for me, but for what for, for who he can be to me. 
I become desperate to know Jesus as a person, not as a producer. I get to this place where I want him simply for who he is, not what he's going to give me. See, the kind of life, the kind of genuine life that John is trying to get us to understand that Jesus came to bring, that kind of life isn't found in all my circumstances turning out the way that I want them to. That kind of life is found in becoming desperate for Jesus, simply for who he is. So John's story, it continues. As it does, there's one, one more aspect of who Jesus is that I want to call our attention to. John says, as he, and this is Harry, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was living. So he asked them the hour that he began to mend, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the day before, Harry's in Cana at 1 p.m., Jesus says, go, your son's going to live. And 20 miles later at 1 p.m. in Capernaum, his son is healed. And Jesus is, is trying to get Harry to see that Jesus, he is not constrained the way that we are by things like time and space and matter. That, that, that Jesus was fully present at 1 p.m. in all of his power right there in Cana with Harry. And at the same time, Jesus is fully present in all of his power with his son in Capernaum. And, and that as Harry is making this trip from Cana to Capernaum, he's traveling 20 miles from one city to the next. That as Harry is on that road, as, as he's between offered prayer and answered prayer, between bent knees and raised hands, between help me, Lord, and thank you, Lord, that Jesus is fully present in all of his power with him. See, the, the last thing that I think John is trying to get us to see is that Jesus is the ever-present Savior in God. If you're in a place desperation. If, if you find yourself between Cana and Galilee, between supplication and celebration, between tears of fear and tears of joy, Jesus is present with you, fully present in all of his power right here and now in that place. So John's story, it ends like this. The father knew that was the hour Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household with him. See, Harry found faith. That he finds genuine faith. He starts lacking faith. Along the way, he finds genuine faith. And his faith becomes the thing that helps his family find faith. Sometimes the greatest apologetic for who Jesus is, it, it, it's not found in science or archaeology or in logic or in history. It's found in the story that you can tell of who Jesus has been to you and what he has done in your life. That was the case for Harry. So as we finish, I want to ask you, 
How do you need to see Jesus? For where you are at personally today, today do you need to see Jesus as a Savior who welcomes the desperate? With what's going on in your world, you just find yourself barely holding on. Controls walked out the door and you are just desperate. And you're coming to Jesus as a last resort and you just want something from him and you're like, you're like hey, I don't care what you're preaching about. Jesus signed here on the dotted line. Do you need to see that desperation and all, he is welcoming you. Or today is, is God calling you to something deeper and richer? Today is he saying to you, hey, lay down your will. Lay down your life. Follow me wherever I would leave you. You need to see Jesus as the sovereign God who is calling you to follow. Or today, you just need to know you're not alone. As you are in between Cana and Capernaum, you just need to grab onto the fact that Jesus, in all of his power, he is fully present with you in what you are facing. And for you, there's one of these ways you need to see Jesus. We're going to pray before we move on and worship. I would just invite you, just silently in your heart, just to cry out to him and ask him to give you a vision that helps you fully see him that way. Because that's just some of the reasons that John wrote this miracle down for us. So that we'd see who Jesus is, what it means to have life in him. Let's pray. Father, some of us today, we are just just so desperate. There are things running rampant in our lives we've long since lost control of. And we're just coming to you. Trust him. That you're going to welcome us just as we are. Help us to see you are the Savior who welcomes the desperate. Some of us, we, we are sensing you're calling us to something deeper. Give us grace to lay down our will. Give us grace to lay down our lives. To follow wherever you're going to lead. trust you, even if you're not doing it the way we think it should be done and the way we want it to be done. Some of us, we just, in the middle of all this, we just feel alone. Please, let, let, let something like omnipresence 
to be more than just a big word or a theological term. In a way that only you can, please meet us in this place and help us to know deeply and fully that you are present with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.